0: you're visiting with us, we have been looking through the life of Peter. We have started by going through the Gospels and the book of Acts, and just looking at events in his life and watching him mature in in his faith and his walk with Jesus. Then we have moved over to 1 Peter, his his epistle that was written just before his death, and now we're in 2 Peter. We're getting close to the end. Um, I decided last week when I was preparing that I couldn't do all of chapter 2 of 2 Peter in one chapter. And uh, so uh, this is kind of part B of, of chapter 2 of Second Peter. Now, I don't know if you noticed when Dick was reading, um, I asked him to read Jude. <laughs> There's a book that very few of us read. And actually, I, I even admit that myself. And I says I've been reading it again and again. It's, it's like incredibly rich, fascinating, and challenging book. But here's the fun, interesting part. It parallels Second Peter chapter 2. It's, it's, almost, it's almost word for word at points, the same writings. And, and scholars trying to figure that out have suggested that Peter in chapter 2 of Second Peter is prophetically writing, and in Jude, Peter, Jude is saying, this is happening, and you need to respond appropriately. So we're entering this passage, but let me start with a, kind of a strange little story. Read of a man who uh, uh, him and his wife had moved just outside the city of new York and uh, and th- as they settled in, they had a fairly good sized house with some guest rooms for friends and uh, and what they started to notice is that people uh, would phone them up and say we 'd like to come to new york we 've never been to New York. Um, can we come and stay at your place and, and And they got in this pattern of of their friends would come and they'd take a day off and and, and especially him enjoyed taking them uh, through New York. And, and they would take them to all the various sites. They'd take them to uh, Times Square, and then, then the, to Central Park, and then to the Statue of Liberty, and then, then the M- M- Metropolitan Museum, and then to the Empire State Building, and then to, to uh, uh, the Broadway Bridge. And, and uh, it, it, it's interesting, as they uh, went to different places, the last place he took them all, was to Chinatown. He says, and then we had done all this incredible busy busy stuff, and he says, and then we come to Chinatown and find a great restaurant and enjoy incredible Chinese food, and he says, and then I would take them to the store. He says, just down from the Chinese place was a little Chinese store, and, and, uh, and when you went in, you suddenly found out that it was a, st- it was a store with watches. But they weren't ordinary watches. They were copycat watches. They were fake watches. They, were, they looked like Rolexes, the most expensive Rolexes you could find. He says, he says uh, but they weren't. They were absolute fakes. They were copies. And, and he, says, he says, these watches were incredibly cheap, like 10 bucks. And he, sa- he, says, he says, these people would look at them. And, and he says, every time we took a friend there, they always bought the watches. He says, "I have one of these watches." He says they're the most horrible watch in the world. They can't keep time. The winding thing doesn't work right. All of those things. It's absolutely a useless watch, except it looks like a Rolex. And he said he said these words, and they kind of stuck in my head. He says he says, and 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 everybody will think you're wearing a Rolex if you don't look too close. In our world, the Christian church has spread throughout our world. Um, Through the uh, various events that would take place, it would move from the Catholic church to multiple different Christian denominations throughout the world. And even scattered among them would be false churches. If you didn't look really close and you walked into them, you would think you were walking into the same thing. But they weren't. They were fake. If you looked at how they dealt with Scripture or, or what they said about the person of Jesus or, or the gospel message, it was wrong. And yet, throughout our world, people are going to those places. Now, if you remember us going to second Peter chapter 1, Peter is aware of this, and he starts off by establishing what's true and what's right. That prophets of old, inspired by God and directed by the Holy Spirit, took pen in hand and wrote the Holy Scriptures for us, both the Old Testament and, as Peter's writing, even the New Testament. And he considered his writings and the writings of Paul and others as fully Scripture. And as we start to see that, we see that, 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 that God is, is guiding and, and throughout scripture, overseeing the putting together of scripture so that you and I can have the word of God. Now, this is important to Peter because as we enter into chapter two, Peter will say there will be false, fake Christians, fake, false teachers, fake, false doctrine being brought into the church and, become, and, and seeking to drag people out of the church. In fact, the shift that's happening today, and I suggested last week, the shift is that false teachers are coming, to try to come in to change the church itself and remain there in control. That, that's the, the concern that, that Peter is writing about that we need to understand who these fake teachers are and false prophets are, and we need to be prepared and guarding against them. Now, I, I, I gotta admit, this morning, extremely tired. Uh, we have been away at our uh, convention or assembly of our, our, the Baptist Churches of Western Canada this week, and I wanna thank uh, Greg and Amanda. I wanna thank Ron and Sharon for being there with me. Um, incredibly supportive and, and such wise, godly people that were there representing you and also there supporting me. It was a very difficult week for me. Because uh, if you know our discussion that's happening, that a, a shift has been happening in our denomination, or our world, and it's not unique from other denominations. This is happening everywhere. There are groups trying to move in with false teaching and moving away from the the scriptures and the authority of scriptures to teach, and this is my word, another gospel. We have been dealing with it for almost seven years now, and it came almost to a head last year, but this year was just as difficult and for me just as hard. If you want a name, it's called the Progressive Church. If you want an issue, the issue is that these groups are coming in saying, we know what the scripture said, but this doesn't count anymore, and this doesn't count anymore, and we're taking this out, and we don't believe this. The primary issue is sexuality, and the primary issue is homosexuality. They want us to to suggest that no longer can it be debated or discussed as a sin that uh, we should be affirming same-sex marriages and eventually priests who are practicing homosexuals or lesbian. What was discouraging and what was difficult about this week is, and, and I'm sure Greg is going to give us a, a, a fuller discussion uh, later on because he comes to report to you, but um, what was difficult for me is to see the Numbers of people supporting this false teaching. It's a significant group. It's not the majority. They have not taken over, but they are trying to gain control and move away. Now, I don't know if you've ever watched God in his sovereignty work in your life, months and months, in fact, several years ago, I was thinking of this series of, uh, on Peter. And, and months ago, I started to put it together for this church, and I had no idea that when I would be preaching on false teaching, it would be between the week where we go away to assembly and come back to assembly, from assembly. And yet God in his plan and sovereignty has put it right there. And I started to observe things as I started to listen to the various people talk. And, and, and I started to realize that I had a kind of a skewed idea that, that these, these, these false teachers were, 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 you know, like a TV evangelist and, and they're charismatic and they were, they, were, they were good looking and tall and, 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 and could speak well and, 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 and flowed and were incredibly persuasive. And that's partly true. But I started to see a range of false teachers. There are those who have just bought into a lie and are so committed to that lie that they are telling others that lie and believing that lie to be truth. And, and then there are others who, uh, who have, as you watch them, as you see how they function, you'll see again and again that, that it's really about power or wealth or even sexuality. Lust. As I went back to Peter and I started to think about, so as I deal with those who are in, who, into this false teaching, what do I look for? And, 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 and there's a whole list in Peter and Jude that you could put together. For instance, there's false teaching. They essentially, essentially want to look at, create destructive heresies, Peter says, that, that, that pervert the gospel, that take the gospel and shift it. Um, for instance, one of the teachings that you will find in our culture coming out of the churches are saying that, that it doesn't matter who you are or what, God just loves you. And that, that, that is true. But, but that's all they have. It's like uh, God just loves you and, and God won't send you to hell and so suddenly hell is off the, off the table. And, and, and they just keep doing that until, until their gospel is full of holes and broken and ripped and not true. There are others as you start to see the character of what are they after? What do they need? And you, know, Peter talks about pride and arrogance and they delight in deceiving, de- causing away. I, I, I read several of the emotions that we voted on and, and, and just so you know, um, they... They did not win the big battle. The big battle was barely won by the conservatives and the, and, and the evangelicals and those who believed in the word of God. But, but you could see in the writing of the proposals they'd never used the word homosexuality, they'd never used the word gay marriage, but they would write exactly as if that was happening. And there's a deception in that. And then there's actions. There's a... Um, There's an intentional strategy to gather followers around them, to, to, to spiritualize things, and especially to go after the spiritually immature, those who are young in the faith. I was talking to our, our seminary pre, uh, president, who is a good friend of mine, and, and, and he says, you know, Paul, as I have pastors coming in for training, my biggest concern is they haven't been discipled. They don't even have a basic of, of the faith. And we've got to start working on them. And he says, he says his fear is that's a reflection of the church broadly. There, are, there are, are clever lies that they are, they are, they are telling us and, and, and sometimes it's about money and, 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 and sometimes it's about other things. But even that, there's a blasphemy, a heresy, a, a disrespect for God and his word. They promise you all kinds of things but Peter will say it ends up in bondage. And so I'm going through this and I'm trying to work through this and I'm trying to understand this as a, as a pastor and how do I respond? And I I'm, literally, I stayed up several nights just praying and agonizing with the Lord saying, I, I, I don't know how to respond to some of these things. Don't know how to say. There's this inability, and you've seen this in our culture, of, of the one side not hearing the other side and, and, and vice versa. And, and it's like, how do we get through to this? Then the Lord reminded me of a text. It comes out of Joel, and it's interesting as, as uh, he's, he's talking in Joel, because if you read Second Peter chapter two, and then Joel, you'll see these incredible repeats and, and, and parallels. In Peter, he talks about certain individuals in the Old Testament, and and Jude repeats it in in verse 11, and and he says, woe to them, and he says, he talks about three different peoples in one simple verse. He says, there are those who have taken the way of Cain. What does that mean? There are people that say, God, I know this is your way, but I'm going to do it my way. And you will find people doing that. Then he brings up Balaam, and Balaam is that prophet in the Old Testament in the book of Numbers who's paid to curse Israel. Every time he tries to curse Israel, God takes over and he blesses Israel. And, 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 but he's a devious, deceptive guy wanting his money. So, so at the end, he says, he says to, to the enemies of Israel, what you need to do is send your young girls in among those men and, and, and get those girls to introduce them to immorality, sexuality, sexuality, and idolatry, and it will cause Israel to fall. And 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 it's interesting as 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 Peter or Judah are looking at this as they reflect Balaam because this Balaam had an encounter with God through his donkey if you read the story, and he kept going despite the fact that God had confronted him. There's going to be false teachers will disregard and not listen to any godly direction and and then he says and they have been dis- have been being destroyed in Korah's rebellion Korah's a guy and his tribe who tried to rebel against Moses his Moses's leadership and God destroyed them um What's interesting is as you read Jude again, you'll see Jude has another story that he adds to the core story. And it simply is, uh, I, I took these people out of Israel, out of Egypt, and I took, them, I took them from bondage and slavery, and I took them through the Red Sea and saved them. I took them through the, the wilderness and fed them day after day, hour after hour. I cared for them. I protected them. And then they rebelled saying they were believers, and now they're under judgment. So there are those who can come into the church and and act and follow as if it's true, and yet God says the result will be judgment on them because they have violated and disrespected and disobeyed God Almighty. Now that picture is just branded in, in those two passages. As you look a little bit closer, you will see a verse that Peter brought to us last week, and I left with you last week, and I want to leave with you again. Listen to the two parts. The Lord knows how to rec- rescue godly men and women from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment. Do you see the two? If you are a sincere believer in Jesus Christ and you are wanting to walk in the way that's narrow and true and obedient, God will rescue you when you are attacked. God will protect you when you are try- they're trying to deceive you. On the other hand, God is listening and aware of those who would steal from the flock and he will not let them go unpunished. I, as i was reading i came across another another passage in jude and he says this i felt i had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that once was for all entrusted to the saints now, that contend is a fascinating word. I, uh, when I was young, there was an old movie came out called Rocky. Do you remember that movie? And, you know, you, you hear the music and all of that as soon as you... And, 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 and there's this, this picture of, of contending. It's a boxing match, a one against another, and, and it's so hard. And that wrestling will be part of you and I. But I want you to hear this. As you put one side next to the other side, you'll hear this, this truth. God has things for you and I to do. We need to stand, we need to be obedient, we need to speak the truth, we need to walk in his ways, we need to uh, proclaim that which is sin as sin, all of those things, but also recognize that God is working with us. This is a team event. That the the, the, the enemy's not going to come and sweep you off your feet and drag you away and you're going to lose because you have God on your side. And so before we even enter even deeper into this, I want you to hear that that God's people who seek Him with all of their heart and mind and soul are safe. They have to be wise, they have to be prepared, they have to be walking with Him, but He will keep them in His mighty hand. But here's the question I started to ask myself this week. I started to say... Okay, Lord, I understand that, and I trust you, and I believe to you, but how do we protect ourselves? We know that, that as the end times get closer and closer that there's going to be a rise of false teachers, that there's going to be a, a group of people who are going to be chasing after teachers who will tickle their ears, the Bible said. How, how do we protect ourselves in this environment where, where our culture and, and our government and, and, and all of these different people are pushing in to try to distort and twist that which is truth? That, that suddenly we're living in this world that says that, 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 that men and women are a spectrum. Now, I could take you back to the history of where that was started. That didn't start in science. That started with a rather distorted individual in Europe. And it was picked up and competed, repeated by another very distorted man who was making profit off that teaching. And I, I could walk you through that. Or, or, or that, 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 that suddenly we've come into this, this, this new understanding of life and, 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 and suddenly that which God said was sin is no longer sin? Who gives man right to choose that thing? And so, Lord, how do, I stay? how do I stay on track? How do I stay on the narrow path? How do I follow you through this, through these next days that you and I are going to be walking through? I don't know how long before Jesus comes. In fact, I I, I want to tell you this because it's really important to me. This church is unique from a lot of other churches. This church has people from all kinds of different denominations, all kinds of different doctrinal backgrounds. And the thing I love about this church is, is that encourages conversation and working together and, and, and loving each other, even though we come from different teachings, because we all believe in one thing, the scripture. And so how, how, do, we, how do we navigate these next days? This is pride month. I wonder who made it a month. You'll see something happening in our culture. You're, gonna, you're seeing more and more people saying, enough, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. And you're seeing the other side aggressively opposing those who would do, oppose the pride stuff that's happening. How do I follow Jesus in a world of false teaching, distorted directions? Let me give you five things to think about today today. As we start walking through this, it's very clear this week as I was sitting, uh, surrounded by all kinds of different people, friends who were, who were seeking to proclaim the truth and to, to encourage uh, us to go in the proper direction, and then, and then others wanting to go the opposite direction, claiming to be spiritual. I started to realize that, first of all, if I am not on guard, I am vulnerable. I, I, I'm I'm easily susceptible to a dynamic teacher. Uh, someone someone has this charismatic this this this, this ability to, to 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 smooth talk me through this and, and all of that kind of thing and, and and take advantage of my my weaknesses and use them to draw me away from my Lord. One of the things I need to understand about myself is my areas of vulnerability. Now, my areas of vulnerability may be different than your areas of vulnerability. But the enemy is looking for an entry point into our life. One of the words Paul uses is a foothold. And and I have to realize that if I am not on my guard, if I am not standing in my faith, if I am not seeking the word, I will become vulnerable. Listen to the words Peter uses. Peter says, they will exploit you, take advantage of you with stories. You know what I watched this weekend? I watched those who would stand up and, and start to proclaim um, something that was offline or, or, or twisted or distorted would not tell me scripture. They would tell me a story, an emotional story, a personal story that would grab my heart and try to pull me away. And, 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 and they tried to use those against us. There's others who will try to seduce us, you know, that wooing and and, and complimenting, and especially if if, if we're kind of needy. They they will appeal to the lustful desires of the sinful human nature. God God really won't be upset because that's how he made you. You will hear all of those kind of things used. They they will entice people who have not escaped from who are just escaping from those who live in error. Otherwise, they will go after you, especially if you're a brand-new Christian. Peter says they will promise you freedom and give you bondage. Jude adds, these are men who love to divide. And I've watched that happen again and again and again. Because if you can divide a lamb from the flock, that lamb becomes vulnerable. And so so there's a reality that I need to be aware of my strengths and weaknesses, uh, of, uh, and, and I need to take my vulnerability, I need to take those weak areas and say, Lord, I, I need your protection in my life. Secondly, I want to suggest that you need to prepare your heart and mind. Now, this is an old message for Paul. I want you to be reading the word. I want you to be studying the word. I want you to be in the word. I want you to be rec- recognizing the word as it's being used. And also sometimes as it's being distorted. Let me, let me give you a big theological word that some of you may know and others may not. There was, there was, a, there was a, 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 a revivalist named John Wesley. Now this is the time of the French Revolution and he's in England. He was an Anglican minister raised by an incredibly godly mother. Both him and his brother went into the Anglican ministry, and he did not know Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. He knew everything about Jesus. He knew all the doctrines about Jesus. And he had never made a choice. And then an event came into his life, and he was radically, deeply, personally saved and received the Holy Spirit into his life. And he was changed from that moment on. John Wesley started preaching the good news of Jesus Christ in the scriptures. And at that point, the Anglican church kicked him out of the church. And, and, and they said, we don't, we, don't want, we don't want you preaching that stuff in our church. And so Wesley, like another man he worked with, uh, Whitfield, decided to preach in the fields. And so they'd go to a farmer's field beside the town and say, I'm having a meetings here, you can't, and he would pack it. And he, he, he must have had this incredible voice, and he would preach, and, and, and thousands would be saved. And as, as the, the, this, this movement changed and grew and developed, it, it was clearly not allowed in the Anglican church, so it became something called the Methodists. Some of you are Methodists. But, but what was fascinating to me is if, if you listen to Wesley and, and what he teaches, he has what is called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Well, let's use the word quad. When situations or teachings or, or ideas or things would come up, he would put it through a grid. And I want to suggest this would possibly be a helpful grid for you. He would say, he would hear a teaching or, or, or a special theology or a special doctrine or, or a special lifestyle, and, and he would go back and he'd look at it in, in three different ways. He, he would look at it through reason, reason, using his logic. Is this sensible? Is this practical? is, is, this, is this make right and wrong? And does, does this work? He'd think about it reasonably. We all, we all do that. Does, does this work? Is this true? All of those kind of questions then he'd also move over to his tradition he would move over to his, his 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 theology that he was brought up with at his mother's knees and the teaching of, of scriptures that he had learned and the doctrines that he had learned and he'd look through this 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 grid as well and say does it match does it oppose what's right or wrong and and, and then he'd also look at it in in terms of his experience Is that how I've experienced Jesus in my life? Or is that how the Holy Spirit works in my life? Or is that how the Holy Spirit speaks in my life? But surrounding all of it would be the Scriptures. It would be superseding all of those other things. He would engage his his reason. He would engage his tradition. He would engage his experience. But it all had to come under the grid of what does the Bible say? We need to be a people who know the Scriptures. And as we know these Scriptures, we will be able to discern truth from error. Lies. that Normally, they don't lie to us in terms of just a lie. They lie to us using half-truths. They'll start with the truth, don't you think, isn't this, doesn't this, this, or they'll, they'll start telling you about successes, or, or they'll take a doctrine and, and they'll emphasize one half of it and ignore all the rest of it. We need to know God's word really well, and I can teach, continue to invite you to be there, and I'm on the journey with you as well. Now, some of you are saying, oh, Pastor Paul, yeah, but you're a preacher and you went to Bible school and you went to seminary and all of those things. Yeah, yeah, I did. But do you know the difference between my abilities and yours? Time. That's it. I I know a bit of Greek, I know a bit of Hebrew. But I've seen some of your Bibles, because you have all of the Scripture up here. Then you have this massive commentary stuff below it that will help keep you in the Scriptures. You can be as biblically sound as me, because you have the tools around you. That's all it is. It's about tools. It's about giving the time and the energy of focus. Of not just hearing and believing, but, but going back to scriptures and saying, he quoted that verse, but look at the other half of that verse, or or he quoted this this situation, but look at what Isaiah is saying in the whole situation. God has given you the abilities and the rights to do that. And, and so, first of all, recognize that if you're not careful, you're vulnerable recognize that you need to just invest yourself into the study of the Word of God. And you you need to reflect on it, and you need to think about it, and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate you, and you need to walk in the Scriptures, and you can stay on the path that God has for all of his people. The third thing... oh, Let me take you to another two places. At the time of Paul and later Peter, two issues were going up. As the church was growing, the first group that were coming into the church to lead it astray were a group called the Gnostics. I I know, it's a weird name, but the Gnostics really basically would take the physical body and the spiritual body and separate them. And it is quite, there's a couple versions of it, but basically they distort, distort the scriptures. For instance, they take Jesus, and they'd say, Jesus, well, his spirit is good, but physically, the physical is evil. And, so, and so, so they would make theologies up like saying, well, Jesus is actually a spirit, and he came and entered a man and filled him, possessed him like a demonic. And then he left. Absolute lies, absolute heresies, but that's what they would do. But then they'd say, well, how do you know that? And their response would be, well, you just have to understand I'm deeper in the faith and I have a special knowledge and God has given me a unique revelation and I've received visions and dreams and and, 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 and they would always talk about how they had this superior secret knowledge that was above you and if you followed them and if you obeyed them and if you gave to them and if you did what they told you, they would let you in on the secrets. You know, I've watched Christians do that here today, in, in North America today. It, it's treating people like they're foolish, like you, you really don't understand, but let me lead you. I hope my ministry has been of walking alongside of you, encouraging you, always turning you back to scriptures. I don't have any secret knowledge. I have Jesus like you do. I have the Holy Spirit like you do. And together they lead me into the word like he he does to you. When someone comes and gives you visions and dreams, you know I believe in prophetic. But you have to test it, as scripture says. You have to say, is this really what God says? There's something that's been happening in our culture that suddenly everybody has a prophecy for everything. Everything. Um, should, should I go to the, uh, buy cookies or should I go buy donuts? And suddenly they're getting revelations about that? Really? That's not how God works. And so be careful of those who would claim secret knowledge, special knowledge, unique knowledge, unique insights. Because God speaks to you fully. There's a second group that you will start to see Rising, and I see this big in our culture today. And I, I could show you a bunch of books related to it. It's called dualism. Dualism also separates the physical and the, and the, and the uh, spiritual, it, it, it separates the logical, thinking, um, objective person from the emotional, subjective values, and all of those things. It, it separates and it says they're separate. And, and, and the teaching is expanded, basically says, I can do all these things physically, and it's separated from my spiritual, so it won't affect me. And you say, well, Paul, how, how, how do you see that happen? Listen to people sexual. Well, I, I know it's immoral to sleep with my girlfriend, but I'm a Christian, and God asked for, for, ask for forgiveness after every time, and so I'm all right. It's separating the two, as if the one doesn't impact the other homosexuality says I, 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 I can do this and I still can be a Christian you'll, f- you'll see homosexuals will talk about how, 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 how they're Christians even though they're living in that lifestyle and I could go on but there, there's this, this idea that what I do in the physical world doesn't affect my spiritual life and the scripture says they are connected they are joined, they are one you, if you start looking for this you're going to find it everywhere you see, the reason I wanted to tell you these things is it's so easy for a pastor to say, well, just pay attention. Also be aware the enemy is devious. He's subtle. He really wants to get into your life and gain control in your life. And so be on your guard. As, as, I'm, as I'm thinking about that, I, I want you to understand the, sec- the next part. like I've said this before, but this is a team ministry. Otherwise, you are not there alone. I don't know if you understand the wonder of Christianity, but, but Christianity is unique and separate in so many different ways that God came down to us to save us. No other religion does that. But also that that Jesus says, I am going so the Holy Spirit can come and be with you and indwell you and live in you till I come again. God living in you. You see, as you walk and as you live, he is, your, he is the spirit who speaks to you and you learn to listen to him and you learn to walk with him and he will give you spiritual eyes to see what the rest of the world can't see. It's called discernment. Uh, how, do, how does that happen? Well, every day, and, and, and I do this on a regular basis, and you can too. A- as you prepare yourself for the morning, not only do you, do, you, do you ask forgiveness of your sin, you also ask the Holy Spirit to fill you more co- fully a- as you yield to Him, as you give Him control. And then you start to listen to Him as you walk. And this last couple of days, I've been walking around with the Spirit of God and. I was watching this happen in front of me, and and I just, a grieving, a deep grieving came into my heart and life that these people don't know what they're doing. And they're misleading others. And I was praying for them, so aware of their judgment, calling out to God. To Bring illumination to their heart and mind, let me give you a little word that may be helpful for you as you 're listening someone on YouTube or on TV or or some other place, as you listen, the Holy Spirit is listening with you and, and if there 's something twisted or something distorted or only a half truth or, or or a lie embedded in a bunch of truths, what you need to do is listen to the Spirit. And he will give you what is called a check. It's like, what? What did he just say? It's not right. That's not what the scripture said. And, and, and the Holy Spirit will just kind of put on a red light and say, hold on, hold on, stop, pay attention. What's he, what did he say? And the Holy Spirit will protect you. And he will walk with you through these days. <laughs> The next thing I want you to know is this. You need to stay in the flock. The best way to defeat you is to separate you from the church. It's for you to be alone away from the church. You can still have your devotions and pray and all those things, but there's something about being in the body of Christ among the people of God that, and I can take you through, Corinthians, a whole bunch of other passages. Hebrews, there's a whole bunch of passages. In fact, Hebrews says you need to meet with one another as the day gets closer, as Jesus' return is closer. Now, I started thinking, you know, me and pictures, and I started thinking about the flock. And I looked, picked them up on the internet, and there's a couple things about the flock that you just need to be aware of. Uh, there's something about protection in community. You will see some, some, some groups of animals that, that literally, if, if, if wolves or something else come, they will form a circle around the, the vulnerable and they will protect them. If you're vulnerable, there are people in here that can help protect you. The second thing is that, that they are led by a shepherd. Now, I, I got some Scottish roots in me, but, but I know that Scottish people drive their sheep. So they stand behind them, and they have dogs, in either, and they drive, In Palestine's the opposite. The shepherd leads the sheep. And the sheep so know the shepherd and his voice that if he calls them, they just come and follow him wherever he goes. I believe that God has placed in your life spiritual leaders called to protect you. I'm one of them. The elders are a group of them. Deacons are another group of them. They have been called to lead you and guide you, and you need to recognize their authority in your life. Not a dictatorial authority, authority that's filled with respect and honoring those called to that position. Who's your spiritual leader in your life? So you're a flock. You are protected when you are together. I started playing with this idea of guard dogs. Because uh, I, I don't know if you know some of the, the, the big guard dogs. I've gone to different farms and seen different, these big guard dogs that, that come out of Europe and Turkey and all of that, and, and Kangals and all of that. and They're massive, these big dogs. And they stay 24 hours a day with, their, with the flock of sheep. And their whole purpose is just to guard them. You don't want it to be a petting dog. You want it to be a protection good dog. And those, those, those dogs stay up all night watching to see, make sure no one is coming next to them. And I kept thinking about that. Do we have that kind of people in our church? There are people in our church gifted with that. You want to know someone who knows about Mormons? I can show you someone. You want to know someone who knows how to respond to the Jehovah Witnesses? they're your... I know someone. And, and and so God has also brought into your life individuals who can instruct you and teach you and help you stand against the deceptive lies. got to stay in the flock. Last thing I, I want you to be aware of, and this is very evident to me, that you need to test the fruit. It's interesting, Jesus is going... To Jerusalem, he comes past this, this fig tree and, and he reaches in, it's all green and beautiful, and all reaches in for a fig and there's nothing there and he curses it. Strange story. Matthew 7, he will say this, by their fruit you will recognize them. By the things that come out of their life and come out of their ministry and come out of, out of, of what they do and say you will start to recognize them. Jesus Jesus says you can't have a bitter fruit and a sweet fruit on the same plant. In fact, one of the things you need to start with is looking through that tree and see, is there any fruit there at all? Because they will make promises and they will make claims and all of those kind of things. Is there fruit, fruit of the Spirit, in their ministry, in their lives, in their claims? (sighs) I am concerned for the broader church of Jesus Christ. I've been agonizing the last couple days through this. This isn't something I didn't know, but this is something that recently I've experienced again. My heart breaks when I see people who would call me a colleague have so gone astray. They don't know the same Jesus that I know. They're not experiencing the Spirit. But they are listening to a Spirit. And they're justified and they're proud and they're aggressive and, and I'm sad. You will come across those people. Understand that God will protect you. Paul says this. He says, what you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Let me tear that apart. You've heard my teachings, Paul said. He's talking about the scriptures. You've heard them. You understand them. You've read them. You dwell on them. You consider them. Keep as a sound pattern these teachings. Keep them in your life. Live them out. Do it with faith. Do it with love in Jesus Christ alone. Does that mean it'll be easy? No. But it does mean you'll be victorious. I know know this hasn't been a really positive sermon, but I wanted to share with you the reality of the days we're living in. I'm very proud of you. I am... I moved in my very heart, that you love the word of God. I pray that I will have left that love in you that I have experienced. I started reading Jude this morning, read it four or five times. Just marvel at what God has for us. Let me close with his words. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him. Alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this church, for these people. And as we journey, may we have the ability and the understanding and the truth to recognize falsehood and stand against it. May we also have the grace and ability to invite people back into the life, into a place of forgiveness and freedom. May we continue to honor you through both our words and deeds. I would ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.